0: Good afternoon, church. My name is Brett. I'm pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Welcome. Glad to have you here. And glad that you would spend the final Sunday before Christmas with us. Merry Christmas to you. Turn with me over to the book of Matthew. We're going to continue with our Christmas series. We're going to look at Joseph. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18 through 25. The title of this message is Bringing Help to a Hurting World. Bringing Help to a Hurting World. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly but verse 20 when he had considered this behold an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying Joseph son of David do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit but she will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins now verse 22 all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet behold The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, verse 25, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Lord, help us as we study. There are four points that I'd like to highlight regarding this passage one, the pregnancy of Mary two, the perplexity into which Joseph was thrown three, the prompt which helped him do the the, the right thing and then four, how he performed his duties Mary what what a woman she doesn't get enough pub really in the Protestant church Catholics overhype her. But I want to do everything I possibly can to put her in the the best possible biblical light so that we can really glean from her life and maybe be used by God in some significant way as she was. Mary, we think, was somewhere in the neighborhood of thirteen to seventeen years old, a teenager. Probably the most promising. Missionary prospect in all of her youth group. She memorized her scriptures well, probably. Character that was long. Always helping people. An amazing young girl. Yet, she was 16. Now, what I'm about to say, I'm going to preface by saying, I think teenagers are amazing. I have such hope for the world when I see young people worshiping God. And I realize that God likes to use young people. David was just a kid out in the flock when God called him. He was about 17 years old. Samuel, no more than four or five when God called him. And then he began to fulfill his ministry when he was in his teenage years. God loves to use young people. John, the beloved, the writer of four New Testament books, John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. He was 18 years old, we think, when Jesus called him. The apostles, the oldest of which was Peter, we think was 30. So all of them were young people. God loves young people and loves to use them. Yet, as we talk about what it means to be used as a young person, we... In order for us to to glean as much as we can from the the exact circumstances, we have to look at them as objectively as possible. And let's face it, when I look at my teenage years, I was the 16-year-old who was standing in the mirror posing. Now for all you women who think that's strange, every boy does that. Trying to figure out where do muscles come from? How come I don't have any? Insecure. Not knowing whether you can get that girl with your good looks or your, 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 you got some game and you talk. How, how do you secure it? I, I, my first date, Mama let me date at 16, was with a girl named Marvita. Marvita. And, and, and I took her to, to the carnival. And literally, I said, Hello? someplace two hours later would you like a coke and then at the end of the day it was nice goodbye I didn't know what to do with a woman I had no idea that's how insecure I was now maybe I I was a a worse version of teenage humanity than Mary but I do know that most teenagers are still trying to figure it out they don't know what they're going to be yet they don't know where they're going yet There's a lot more that they don't know than they do know. And God decided this would be his best option to bring the most precious child that has ever been born, the savior of the world, and bring him through a teenager. Now, when I, when my wife and I had our first child, when she gave birth, I was 25, she was 26. There is no more perfect definition of ignorant than first-time parents. You have no clue. Any, first, any parents in here know what I'm talking about. You have no clue what to do. You, you bring this little people, this person home and you're just sitting there thinking, okay, now what? Okay, we feed him, we change him. But, but, but how do I know what he's trying to say when he cries? How do I, should I feed him all the time? Should I feed him some of the time? Should I, should I change him all the time? Okay, he just, he just wee-weed, so do I change him now? Do I wait till he poops? I mean, what, you don't know what to do. And this is a human being, we're not talking about a project. This is really important, and you have no clue. And you can read all the books you want. They don't help. You can go to all the seminars, Lamaze your way into parenthood. It doesn't help. And so when my wife had our first child, I I brought her home. I put her in the car from the hospital and and had put Joseph in the back seat, just nestled him in his car seat, put all the things around and make him really comfortable. And then I got in the driver's seat and I drove 25 miles an hour home (laughs) with the flashers on. no I thought I needed to be super careful and I was looking all around making sure nobody was you know coming up on me fast and parents you just don't know and I was 25 what doesn't a 16 year old mama know and although the circumstances need to be objectively observed we can see from this that God is not dependent upon competency. To see his will performed in the earth by people. In other words, you are a prime candidate. He doesn't need you to be absolutely and perfectly prepared. He just needs you available. This is good news. Just be available. Be willing to say the right thing. To do the right thing. And God will do amazing things through you. And I'm convinced that the reason he likes to choose people that are less than capable. Is because when he performs his deeds at the end of the day. Folks will say holy God could have done that because I know them. (laughs) I know them. That was God. That was all God. I don't know that I would have chosen Mary if I was the father. But he did a really good job. Here you've got this 16-year-old girl, pregnant. She said, let it be done to me according to your word. Those are the words she repeated back to the angel Gabriel who came to her and said, you're going to bear this child. Though if I were Mary, I probably would would have asked the angel a few more questions. Like... Okay, I'm willing to do this. Yes, Lord. But, Gabriel, do you know my parents' address? And and, and do you know, because I can text it to you. And and, and Joseph's too. I can text you, Joseph, and my parents' address, because I need you to go tell them the same thing you just told me. Because, (laughs) like, I'm engaged. And, and this is going to be really hard for me to communicate to him. So if you would like go before, that would be really great. She didn't ask and he didn't go. So here we got a situation. Mary's engaged. <clears throat> and engaged back then was different than engaged today. Today, you're engaged. Will you marry me? Yes. You give an engagement ring, you know, $2,500, $5,000, something like that. I mean, you got some skin in the game, but yeah, if you say no and you quit, eh. Back then, it was called betrothal. And betrothal was synonymous with marriage. The only thing you had not done was consummate. It was that serious. In fact, if you wanted to call off a betrothal, you actually had to get a certificate of divorce it was that serious you didn't just back out and the primary reason was it cost the man so much money to secure the rights to marry this woman and that he had to pay a bride price and the bride price was not cheap it was somewhere somewhere in the result of a recipe that combined the amount of resources that it took for a, a father to raise his daughter and the amount of resources that he would not gain from her labor once he let her go to somebody else's house, the status of the family, and if there was nobility or royalty and standing in the community, meaning practical, not just status standing, but practical. Did they have rulership responsibilities? All those things worked together to produce a financial equation that amounted to how much a man needed to pay to secure this woman's hand in marriage and if we look at what what Jacob had to go through in order to marry Rachel now Jacob's an Old Testament character whose parents were Isaac and Rebekah and his grandfather was Abraham this is the Jacob whose name would be changed to Israel and from whom would come the 12 tribes and Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau because Esau was consoling himself with thoughts of killing Jacob in other words when Esau got happy it was only when he was thinking about how I could slay my brother That's not a good situation between siblings. So Rebekah tells Jacob, you got to go because your brother going to kill you. Now the reason Esau was thinking that way is because Jacob began the process of stealing some things that weren't his from, from Esau. And Esau was hot. And so Jacob had to leave and he went north. Probably in the neighborhood of 100 miles north to his uncle Laban who was Rebecca his mother's brother so he went to his uncle Laban and he he said Rebecca told him just hang out there until your brother's anger subsides well that was about 20 years when he got there he was there basically with his clothes on his back and he says Laban I'm here because mama told me to come your sister and so I'm ready to do whatever and uh, in the process of negotiating what his responsibilities would be with Laban, he sees Laban's daughter, Rachel. Now, Rachel is gorgeous. She is top ten model gorgeous. She is cover of Vogue gorgeous. Jacob says, I got to have her. Now, you could marry your first cousin back then. Laban says, cool. What you got? Uh, yeah, about that. Um, well, I'll tell you what I do have. I got my hands, so I will give you seven years of labor for her. So it's a blue-collar job. Let's transpose our blue-collar status, middle income, middle middle status in America to that blue-collar, somewhere in the neighborhood of forty, fifty thousand dollars a year. Multiply that by seven. That's what it cost Jacob to secure Rachel's hand in marriage: three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So when you, when you secured a woman, this is why it was analogous to marriage, because you paid a lot. You don't just break it off. Not for $350,000. You're going to get married. You are going to get married. And the only way this thing stops is if somebody has a formal divorce. And this is why the passage is a little confusing in its orientation in that it says she was betrothed to Joseph and yet Joseph was called her husband in here because it was so synonymous. The only thing they had not done was consummate the marriage through intimacy. So she's now got to go tell her fiancé that uh, she's pregnant because the angel didn't help her. Okay, Lord, help me, please. I love this man. I don't know what to say. You're gonna really have to assist me here, because this is a hard, hard thing. Joseph, we, we um, can, can, can I talk to you? Sure, Mary. What you got? Well, you know how much I care about you, right? And I'm really grateful to God that He gave me you. I mean, you are a fine, fine man, and I don't know that I ever could have found anybody different. I'm making all this up. It's not in the Bible, but it's probably pretty good. <laughs> And like you're, you're just, um, you're amazing. Um, but, 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 but I, um, I need, to, I need to tell you something. Like um, this angel came to me the other day. Angel, uh, yeah, I um, said his name was Gabriel. I'd never met him before, but uh, he, 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 um, he said some things to me. Wait, Mary, that's amazing. I mean, angel, have you talked to your pastor about this? Uh, No, not yet. Um, Yeah, I thought I'd I'd talk to to, to you. Uh, Well, see, the the message he gave me was, um, what did he say? I mean, it had to be really, well, it is important. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm pregnant. And the baby's daddy's God. (laughs) Mary, stop kidding around. Come on, girl, you know, you know. This is me. You can tell me what's going on, really. (laughs) Uh, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And the Father is God. Mary, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Okay, listen to me. You know what I've got invested. You are What? You are what? Who's the da- don't you blame this on God? Don't you who is the daddy? Don't you blame it, girl? This wasn't in your profile, or I never would have said I'd do to you. Never would have asked you to marry me. Are you kidding me? Now he was probably much more calm, but this was what was on the inside. I guarantee it, because every man thinks this way. What have you done? You know how much I got invested. Your daddy's already spent the money. He got a new house. I can't go get it back. What? Are you? Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Well, I, I told you, Joseph. It's God. Mary, I want to know who the daddy is, because I'm gonna get my money. I'm gonna get my money. I'm gonna get my money, because you're gonna marry him and he's gonna pay me. Who's the daddy? God, Joseph, all right, listen, you need help. This has gone, pa- you, need, you need a psychiatrist. They, don't even, they, they aren't invented yet, but you need one. <laughs> Something's really wrong with you. And he, Leave, just leave. I can't deal with this right now. Just get out of my face. Go home. And it says, rather than doing what he could have done, which was to apply the penalty of death to this woman because it was tantamount with adultery because betrothal was like marriage. Could have had her stoned. He didn't want to do that. He said he was just going to send her away secretly. Go, just get out. I'll start over. I don't know what I'm going to do, but just get out. He goes to sleep one night. says an angel comes to him. The perplexity of Joseph speaks to the complications that always come when we are engaging in God's will. Trying to figure out how to make it happen. It's always messy. It's never clean. And literally, I use the term engagement because he was engaged. And God was doing something different through his engagement. Here's a man who was already planning his life out beautifully. I want to raise a family and and have a nice, strong, strapping young man who's going to take over the family business. And I want to train him as a carpenter. He had his whole life mapped out. He had a dream of what life could be. And God comes to him in a dream to give him another dream. During this Christmas holiday season, the last thing I want to be is the bubble burster for your dreams. But God is the, is, the, is the ultimate dream crusher. Yes, he is. He rarely signs on to your dreams. Rarely does. Now, you might just fall into something that may be his will. Serendipitously walk into a moment that you didn't know God was in. But generally speaking, your plans are either wrong, inaccurate, or too small. One of those three. So you don't want God to co-sign on that, though you think it's a really good idea if he did. You don't want the result in the end because it's not going to glorify him like he designs. And so he comes to give you a brand new dream. And this is what he did to Joseph while he slept. An angel came. And said, don't be afraid. Whenever God's will is put in front of us, usually fear comes up because it's going to cost us. We're called to do something. And the last thing we want to do is change our plans. Because it's going to mean inconvenience and sacrifice. Don't be afraid. And as soon as inconvenience and sacrifice comes to us, we get fearful. Oh no, what's going to happen if... Well, what happens when uh, I'm a part of the Chamber of Commerce and I'm not quite sure they're going to let me keep my membership? If I marry this girl who's already pregnant, what what am I going to say to the guys at the Moose Lodge? They don't believe that a man like me who has standing in the community ought to marry a woman who's already impregnated by another man. That's not the way this is supposed to be. How am I supposed to live? Oh, God, it's going to cost me. And the last thing I want to do is raise somebody else's baby. and live with the consequences and the decision I made every day looking at this child who's not mine. God, I don't know what to do. He could have stoned her, but he said, I'm sending you away. And this dream says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you will help raise this baby and you will call him Jesus. This prompt was the hinge point upon which Joseph changed his entire life. (laughs) I've had some amazing dreams, talking about physically. I have dreams about my city, which are day dreams that God gives me. But I've had dreams at night that were 90% God. Some of them 100% God. But I don't have near as a clear pipe to receive everything that God wants to give me without there being some mixture of bread. So I'm not quite sure sometimes whether my dreams are all him, all me, or some mixture. Because I might have seen something on TV that inspired me. I might have read something in a book or read the paper or seen something on the internet that just made, my, made an impression in my brain or had a conversation with somebody. And I'm not quite sure whether all those things together combining with God's inspiration made some communication to me that seemed like it felt Godish, but I don't know if it was all Him. And so rarely do I take one dream and change my entire life I need about 16 confirmations to make that happen. I need prophets to come to me independent of they doing knowing anything about what I dream. I need a lot of stuff. You want me to move where? You want me to move where? You want me to go to China and become a missionary in a dream? I don't know. I got seven kids. Are, are you listening to me? This is why I think Joseph is amazing. Because this dude just got this dream and said, okay, okay, I will wreck my life. I will wreck my life and trash my dreams for yours. What a man. What a man. How sensitive are you to the spirit? Are you willing for God to come and say, I need all your life for my purposes? You don't necessarily need a dream in the night. All you need is a little black man to tell you on Sunday morning. That's all you need. God wants to wreck your life, that he might establish something much larger because your dreams are too small, inaccurate, or completely wrong. He wants to make them bigger. Joseph, I know you wanted a son you could raise up and take over your family business. And he'll do that. But so much more will he do. Your dream is just too small, boy. You were in the right vein. You were doing the right thing. I'm just trying to make it beyond whatever you can ask or think. So big that it will change the world. I'm trying to bring help to people who are hurting. Would you please assist me in this process? And not just be concerned about your own dream, but drink big to help the world. Amen. Amen. God is is still in the business of looking people, looking for people who will help him. Now, any of you all who know something about God realize that, realize that one of the distinguishing marks and characteristics of God is that he really needs no help. This is part of the, part of the thing that we are able to recognize as, as him being God, is that he needs nothing outside of himself to exist. And whenever he wants to do something, he can do it infinitely better even with the aggregate wisdom of humanity at his side. He doesn't need them because he is the best at what he does. So when he says he needs somebody, when he says he wants to use somebody, it's not because he is at a deficit. It's because he loves. Thirteen years ago, my wife asked me to put together a shelf over the commode upon which she could put nice things, candles and pictures and flowers. Things that men do not care anything about. But women want to beautify every part of the house. And so she brought home this shelf that was in a box the shelf was eight feet tall the box was two feet tall which meant it wasn't assembled I am mechanically challenged I don't I don't do well with putting things together when I put things together there are always parts left over it's not a good thing so I knew I had to put this together and I started tore it apart put it together my four-year-old daughter Brooke comes to me and says Daddy, can I, can I help you? Now, if the, if the instructions say it's going to take about 15 minutes, for me, I know it's about 30. Now, because I'm an idiot, I just don't do well with this kind of stuff. And I know I'm mechanically challenged. So I realized 30 minutes. And if, if my four-year-old helps me, it's going to take me an hour. So my practical side was saying on the inside... Help me, girl, you're four. You 4 you can not help me. But my daddy said, my daddy sighed, said, absolutely, baby. Come on. So I took out the Phillips and straight-head screwdriver and told her, this is a Phillips, and see the little star in the screw? You put it in there, and you turn it, and clockwise is tightened. Counterclockwise is loosened. Here's a nut. Here's a bolt. Here's a washer, and you got to use these things like that. Oh, it was a phenomenal moment. It took us an hour. I could have done it better without her. could have done it faster without her. But more was built than just a shelf with her. God's the Father and you're four. He doesn't need you, but he wants to build something with you because more is built when he builds with you than just if he did it on his own. Joseph, I need you. I need you. Because I'm about to do something on the inside of you that's going to be an exemplary event that's going to change the world. Not just the son that you helped to raise, but who you are as a man is going to shout for generations. Nobody knows who you are right now. You will fade into obscurity if you don't say yes. But if you say yes, all of history... Will learn about what it means to be a righteous man. What it means to sacrifice for my purposes. Yes, sir. So he takes Mary. And um, <laughs> verse 25 is just, it rocks my world. It just rocks my world. It says he kept her a virgin till the day she gave birth. We're not quite sure when Mary told Joseph, but we think it was probably before she began to show. So between the third and fourth month, she stayed with Elizabeth for three months until Elizabeth, her relative, gave birth to John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner for Christ in ministry. So she stayed with Elizabeth for three months. The angel came to her, and then she went down to Elizabeth because the angel said, your relative Elizabeth is also in her sixth month. And we know that she was there when John was born because she says she stayed there with Elizabeth till she gave birth. So three months she was with Elizabeth. Then she went on back home and she had to let some people know before she started to show or folks begin to ask questions about how she's gaining weight. And she can't lie. So probably somewhere in the sixth to fifth month, excuse me, fourth to fifth month, she tells Joseph. Somewhere immediately after that, the angel of the Lord appears in the dream. An angel of the Lord appears in the dream and says, take her as your wife. And it says that he did so and kept her a virgin until she gave birth. My wife and I married in 1986. We just celebrated our 28th anniversary on the 13th of December. We got a great marriage. love that woman, she has been the partner of God's design for me I'm so happy when we got married I was a virgin I wasn't pure, I was a normal teenager that did stupid stuff but I'd never been with a woman so the wedding happens then you got the reception that I had to endure through because I could not wait to get to the hotel. I'm just being real. If, if, you want, if you want to no longer consider me your pastor, this is a good opportunity. I had to endure the shaking of all these people's hands thinking, will you please leave? I'm glad you came, but please leave. Please leave. I got to get to the hotel. I got to get to the hotel. I've never done this before. I want to get this on now. And by the way, I'm not confessing, I'm professing. (laughs) I could not wait. She was gorgeous, and this was our moment. Joseph said, I do, and waited at least five months. And this was not a requirement that the angel put on him to do, he did this all by himself. He made up a high standard. Are you listening to me? This is what I talk about exemplary living. Joseph, I chose you because I know you. You'll be a standard for everybody. And I get people who come to me and say this Pastor, is there anything in the Bible about smoking weed? Can you give me a chapter and verse on weed? Um, no, no, nothing in the Bible about smoking weed, nothing. Now, I have a lot of problems with the nature of your question, but I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to go someplace else. Do you know there's nothing in the Bible that says you should not play soccer on Interstate 95? Nothing, nothing. But do you do it? No. Why not? Because you're going to get hurt. Huh. You got to be told about not smoking weed. See, I didn't have to tell you that you didn't need to play soccer on 95. Why do I have to tell you? Why does God have to tell you you shouldn't smoke weed? What is wrong with you on the inside whereby you are only trying to get by? You're not trying to do highest and best. You're just trying to say, what is the minimum amount I can do and still get into heaven? Because I like what I want to do. And by the way, do you know if God put everything in the Bible that we shouldn't do, how big would the Bible be? I mean, we come up with stupid stuff. We invent new ways of sinning and doing wrong. How big you wouldn't be able to carry your Bible. There's so much stuff that he doesn't say. And it's almost like there was a conversation in heaven and say, do you think we need to put that in the don't Don't you think they figure that out? We don't have to put that. We don't have to tell them they shouldn't jump from a 15-story building, do we? we don't, no, that one we don't. But we gotta, should we tell them about not smoking weed? No, nah, don't figure that out. No, they won't figure it out. They won't figure it out. This is how sin makes people stupid. It dummies us down to where we're no longer trying to figure out how we can make God happy. We're now just trying to figure out what we can do to get by. Joseph, once you say I do, you can do what you want to do. Go ahead, she's yours. Have her. Consummate the marriage. He made a new standard. He created new rules of righteousness. I will not have you until you give birth. Because I don't want anything to compete with the glory of Almighty God. I don't want anybody to ever confuse this moment. I will use self-control and I will remain pure even though you are my wife and I can do what I want to do. I will keep you chaste until you give birth to this child. What a man. May all of us make up new rules of righteousness that impose upon us the highest standards of goodness and purity so that we can make our God happy every day. Let that be your challenge in this holiday season. Perform your duties like Joseph. I'm not talking about become new in your legalism. I'm not asking you to create a whole new set of rules by which you can prove that you are right before God. All I'm saying is make him happy. Bring a smile to his face. Do something that makes him say, oh, my goodness. Nobody would have thought of that but him you see that angels that's pretty amazing right there he had to I didn't even have to tell him to do that and if he had if he had gone ahead and taken his liberty he wouldn't have been wrong been no sin in what he did he just chose a new way that's why I chose him that's my boy right there that's my boy right there Joseph's my man may God say that about you because you love him so much all you want to do is make him happy Let's pray.